Kia ora, kia ora, na, tala welcome to the Touch Project Podcast. My name is Pat, in this bonus episode today, just a, a quick one with Bill Kerr, who's the Secretary General for the FIT, or Federation of International Touch, the international governing body of our sport. I just want to have a catch up with Bill just around uh, the COVID-19 situation, although we don't sort of go too deep into the COVID thing, other than, I guess, uh, topics that I believe people are keen to hear about, especially Youth World Cup, what the international schedule looks like, Open Trans Tasman and what influence if any does FIT have around whether or not that'll happen how are we going to sustain the growth of the sport considering we're essentially still on lockdown at uh, a border to border scenario and doesn't look like international travel is happening anytime soon and if it does you'll have to mortgage the house to make it happen so is uh, it even feasible to consider uh, a youth ball cut right now all of these included in this yarn, we have uh, a bit of a yarn in regards to, jeez, I say yarn a lot, <laughs> we touch on uh, eligibility, that was a hot topic when I put out the challenge, or the invitation rather, for people to send in questions uh, on Instagram for this catch up, so look, we cover quite a bit in this, in this very short bonus episode, but it's worth a listen, Bill Kerr from FIT, uh, enjoy this one, this is a bonus ep of the Touch Project Podcast, Kelda. <laughs> I've got Bill Kerr from FIT on the podcast today. Kia ora, my friend. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, considering uh, the situation we're all in at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So how's the family? You're doing well? How's your little bubble over there in Australia? Uh, well, I have my wife living with me, obviously. Uh, I can't visit any of my children because one uh, one of them lives in Queensland we've, and we've got three grandkids there and the other lives in the Northern Territory and we have two grandchildren there and we can't cross the border unless mm. we self-isolate for two weeks. So that's not happening at the moment. Yeah, so you 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 you're quite good with technology, though I assume you got the Zoom down pat. You you sorted. Oh yeah, we're under control as far as uh, communication goes. It's just it's uh, as, as everyone says, it's that physical hugging and mm. kissing and yeah. Being around them is, is something we're all missing, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, just remind us, what is your role with uh, with FIT, just before we get into things? Yes, I'm the uh, Secretary General of the Federation, and I've held that position for 28 years. Nice. So you, you're pretty well versed to, to give us a, a bit of a glimpse into what's happening behind the scenes with, with your team and, and how you, you're kind of approaching uh, the next wee while considering the changes uh, thanks to our friend uh, COVID-19. Yes, yes. All right, let's start. Well, I, I guess let's get into it. You, you obviously would have had a few meetings over the, over the last wee while and I'm just curious, uh, how do you rate uh, you know, FIT's response to uh, this, this COVID-19 challenge uh, in, in all honesty? Well, I believe that uh, we recognise the global effect the virus would create and we recognised that early and we took ac- action on cancelling or postponing all events under our control mm. and uh, we distributed COVID-19 advice notices to all our members uh, on regular basis and we've stopped all international travel for our uh, technical people uh, and administrative people. Mm. Um, and alerted the world to that situation. So, you know, we believe we've handled this in a timely manner. Mm. Do, do you have a pretty good relationship, I guess, with, with the uh, with the NSOs in, in, in your affiliate nations, you know, Australia and New Zealand particularly, obviously uh, bigger than some of the, the smaller nations. So, uh, you know, look, t- Touch Football Australia, for example, run a pretty, uh, a pretty you know, commercial kind of uh, entity in terms of the NRL Touch Football and whatnot. Did you wonder how uh, the decisions made from an Australian point of view or even from a New Zealand point of view would have implications on the position FIT had uh, with some of your smaller affiliates? Um, 
we consider all member nations uh, equal, even though some are bigger than others. Mm. Obviously, if we're considering uh, participation at a tournament, we obviously then consider Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, England as the ones that supply teams in all divisions. Mm. Um, so they they come into play, um, distinctly different from nations that supply one team or a couple of teams. Yeah. But however, yeah. the... Uh, when we when we are making decisions uh, based on, for instance, an example of the cancellation of the uh, Asian Championships, uh, we took into consideration all the Asian members prior to making that decision. Um, that's the way we operate. Uh, as far as the youth, the youth World Cup is concerned, we will be uh, we're still in the process of negotiating with the member nations. So I can't give you much of a, an answer to that one. It would be preemptive of our final decision. Um, Euros were cancelled as well based on the fact that it, it was far too early for anyone to be considering playing sport um, in August this year. So I was going to say, what, 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 I guess what discussions have taken place uh, from FIT's point of view in regards to sort of you know, trying to, I guess, future-proof the sport moving forward at an international level, what you can control, uh, what, what what things are being put in place to, I guess, uh, sustain some sort of growth. Because, you know, you, you're enjoying a bit of momentum, I guess, off the back of uh, a really a really popular World Cup and then, you know, you had, um, you know, the, the growth of the sport in, in the South Pacific. So I'm just curious as to, as to how you'll sustain that growth now with this coronavirus yeah, thing. Uh, look, you're right, Pat. We, had, we did have growth. From the success of the World Cup, we picked up um, four member nations, um, new member nations being um, Bulgaria, Sri Lanka and uh, Thailand and we're having discussions with Nepal, not quite finished yet. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it, and like, albeit they are small nations, but they were never interested in the sport of trust until the World Cup mm. and uh, all of a sudden... And we've also we're having discussions with Argentina and um, and Brazil. So the problem lies now is that we really there's nothing much to offer these people. They can't even offer themselves a game of touch yeah. because of the COVID nineteen. So what are we doing? Uh, basically, encouraging our members to communicate with their members through the different social medias that they use. We're running a, a weekly session on YouTube with interesting people. Uh, the one coming up this week is uh, with Lebeb Levy from South Africa. So we're we're continuing trying to put touch in people's face, mm. even though they're not able to play the game at the moment. You know, I guess following on from that, and you touched on it a bit earlier, and mind the pun there, but the uh, the Youth World Cup, obviously, that that's sort of. Um, on ice at the moment. I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing all sorts of things from different people. You know, Touch New Zealand have sent out some comms around, you know, prep plans for that. And, and it's, it just doesn't seem likely that that's going to happen. And if it does, I would I would find it pretty hard-pressed to expect a, a New Zealand and an Australia uh, to, to be able to travel to Manchester considering the implications that would have on them uh, with the travel restrictions yeah. and whatnot. So, I mean, realistically, FIT's can in the Youth World Cup, eh, Bill? No, we at the moment, um, that's not what I said. What I said was that we're going around the nations. We recently had a hookup with uh, Australia and New Zealand mm. uh, with their key people. Uh, we're now, our next step is uh, European nations and, um, and South Africa following that and then some key people in Asia. From that point, we will then make a decision and I can't tell you one way or another yet. 
What, what it is because have have has Touch New Zealand and TFA uh, committed to participating in uh, in a youth World Cup? No, they haven't. They've they've just they've all they've put it to us is their points of view about the event. So at this stage, I can't tell you one way or another whether it's on or off or they're participating. If they, if they're saying no Olympics still a vaccine, I can't imagine uh, we're running a, a youth World Cup, eh, Bill? Look, look, everyone can can assume that, um, but we won't be uh, putting our point of view until we've had a full consultation process, mm. which will probably be the end of this month. Mm. I was I was sort of just considering, um, you know, what what would uh, the future for Touch look like, uh, just in terms of I guess growing uh, the growing the sport in, in each sort of geographical bubble. So, you know, if you get a trans-Tasman bubble, for example, that would sort of suggest that we could start having some some discussions around what we could do in that space, a European bubble, for example. So I guess if it must be on FIT's radar about how we can still sustain some growth within the, the boundaries of that COVID uh, bubble. And then eventually when, when the world heals, we can look at, uh, you know, f- future plans. Yeah, look, you hit the nail on the head. I suppose our, our first move would be to get people back playing the sport within their own um, within their own regions. Mm. Basically, the Euros, um, the Trans Tasman's, even a, a Pacific Island Nations event. But we are obviously very considerate of the fact that travel will be very expensive when it comes back online. The doubts about borders being open or not open uh, from different countries is still on everyone's mind, but. The, the first steps will be for regional events to take mm. place mm. Uh, to get people back into the into the groove. Like you couldn't you couldn't uh, have a major event if no one played touch for two years. That, yeah. be, uh, the standard would be low, and et cetera, et cetera. So mm. all those things are being considered at this point. I'm just uh, one of the things that sort of, I guess, popped up is the nostalgic kind of trip down memory lane with the World Cup and even prior to that the Youth World Cup and lots of people sort of you know humming about how, how awesome it was uh, 12 months ago we're all in KL sort of having some fun with the with the World Cup and I guess as a result of that some some you know comments have resurfaced and, and I certainly received a few questions when I you know put it out there hey I've got Bill Kerr from FIT on the eligibility yeah. question continues to come up people are curious as to what if any progress has been made after you know some of the uh, challenges uh, that we had to navigate at the last World Cup particularly around the Cook Islands and Samoa. So I'm curious, you know, what discussions have taken place around eligibility, if any, and uh, are you in a position to, to shed some more light on that uh, and that progress that's been made? Well, we're, we've diagnosed all aspects of the World Cup 2019 and looked at the areas that we believe we could improve our delivery on, um, and uh, uh, which is which is a common practice after each World Cup. Mm. Uh, as far as eligibility goes, we had. 2,000 players who um, were subject to the eligibility rule. And we out of those 2,000, we had five players who could not participate. One misled his country uh, about his eligibility and four of those were um, misled by their administration. Mm. Uh, Not intentionally, just unintentionally. And that that created our problem. So we had, out of the 2,000, we had five people affected by the policy. But in saying that, Pat, Mm. We we are in the process now, and we've got time to um, do a full and comprehensive review of the policy. Look at what what is the trend of eligibility policies uh, within other sports around the world, uh, amateur and professional. Mm. Probably with a view of more amateur 
because of the nature of our game. So that when we do introduce uh, a revised policy, it should be meeting the requirements, the modern requirements of our game and our members. That's the key issue. Yeah. Because it's re- it's really exciting, eh? Seeing the gap close between some of our you know less uh, less experienced smaller nations versus you know your, your OGs like your Australia, your New Zealand. Seeing Japan do really well, seeing some of our Pacific nations have the potential to do really well. I wonder, you know, what if any uh, relaxation of the eligibility criteria could could be made for the smaller emerging nations, so that say somebody who you know uh, traditionally has represented New Zealand uh, and is now in that Masters age could potentially play for a Samoa or a Cook Islands and, and assist yeah. you know assist the regeneration of the sport in that area I just sort of wonder if that'll if that'll be part of that process bill uh, definitely it, look all aspects of eligibility will be uh, will be pulled apart and reviewed you know just the fact that someone's played for a country well, we relaxed that for this 2019 World Cup we relaxed the rules it used to be um, of an extensive amount of time before he could represent another country. Mm. We, we changed that. Um, we didn't say that you could only represent two countries. We had that as long as you met the gap between representation, you could represent more than two countries. So mm. that was, it was a relaxation, but there's obviously more work to do in that area. And there's administrators, sports administrators around the world involved with touch you have there their ideas and concepts, mm. which will all be considered and put in the melting pot with what is happening around the world for eligibility. Mm. So how do the Olympics handle it for a start? How does uh, corkball handle it? How does, it goes on and on. Mm. So we'll be analysing all of those and hopefully, well, not hopefully, I would suggest we will be coming up with a policy that will never, ever satisfy everyone, Pat, but which is the majority of, of the, our members. Yeah, and, and I guess you know, that, the island nations are one, but then you've got you've got Europe where nations are like driving from Wellington to Auckland. You're in a new country, and, mm. and and people live on the border and play touch either side. How do how do we handle that as well? Is is there I guess as part of that um, as part of that consultation phase or this review that you're going through, will there be an opportunity for you know uh, members of of our sport to contribute their their, their views yeah. to you know as, as a part of that will that be made available or is it you know go through your NSO yeah. or or how do you think that will happen? It will go through the NSOs uh, after when we have a a draft policy. It will go through the NSO for their internal comments. You know, have we missed something? Is it something that their ideas may improve the policy? Whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that all that feedback will then be considered by the by the group and um, added either added or subtracted from the policy. Nice. Well, I look forward to seeing that, Bill, and, and, and keep us in the loop, mate. And if we can push it out to, to the listeners or whatever, then, you know, you just uh, you, you say the word, brother, and we'll make that happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cautiously optimistic is, is, a, is a term that our government are using here in New Zealand quite a bit, and I guess that, that really is the key, you know, the key phrase for things. Um, I guess with, with this coronavirus or COVID-19, it's made everything so difficult. But I guess prior to COVID and the honeymoon period from the World Cup, um, how do you think we were doing as a sport? Uh, and then, I guess, how do you think that's going to affect how we approach the next, you know, 12 to 24 months for the game of touch from an FIT perspective? Well, the one issue was that we were overwhelmed with nominations for 2019 when we thought we were we were cautiously optimistic, using that word, uh, about the numbers that we, that we would accept 
expecting Malaysia mm. due to the heat and the fact that there's a, you know, in the middle of the world and a long way from a lot of people. However, we were overwhelmed with nominations, which meant that, you know, the sport was healthy. So how do we, how do we improve that moving forward? Well, we don't want to be to the stage where people are playing in four pools and, um, got X amount of games before they get to quarters or semis or finals. And at the end of the time, they're, they're physically worn out and the finals aren't, aren't a spectacle. So we need to look at how we're going to handle that. Mm. How do we handle the growth? How do we resent the World Cups? How do we keep people interested in the game? That, that's always the challenge. Yeah. Um, and their yeah, sports with a lot more money are struggling just as much as we are. That's no excuse for us to, you know, to take the foot off the pedal. I think we need to keep the sport of touch highlighted as much as possible. We're still going through the process of being recognised by um, Sport Accord, mm. which is a European-based, basically, but a world, worldwide international organisation of sports. Um, that would give us a, a far better opportunity, for the, especially for the European nations, to attract government funding if we've got that membership. Is that a key to getting in the Commonwealth Games? What do you reckon, the, the likelihood of that of that happening in the future, yay or nay? Interesting question, Pat. I saw when you uh, presented that to me. I, I was uh, involved with FIT when we presented our proposal to have touch as a demonstration sport in Melbourne 2006. So we put that proposal up in about 2003, I think. Um, spent a lot of time up, like six months, getting it ready. Videos, the whole box and dice. The fact that we, we cater for men's and women's and mixed teams. Um, and unfortunately, the same year, rugby put in their proposal for the sevens. And as soon as they got, they got the tick, because of their probably higher profile, we were then classed as a like sport and not considered as a demonstration sport for that event, which is unfortunate because we had a lot more to offer in those days. I think they only had the men's in that first event. Um, there's nothing to stop us trying again, but we will always have that tag of being a like sport to rugby. Mm. That will not. That would not be. That's not a good enough excuse not to try again. And we will as soon as we feel that we're in a strong position again. We will nice. because. With our growth, the way we are developing and, and um, a lot of that development is in Commonwealth Games countries, we are just starting to get a higher profile, but we've always got this battle with rugby. If, they, if they're in there, it's going to be hard for us to convince the Commonwealth Games people that we're a sport that should be considered even as a demonstration because history is you... There's a lot of sports who got in as a demonstration and stayed there. Yeah, well, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Bill, final question before I let you go, bro. I know that uh, you caught up with Australia and New Zealand this morning. Uh, what's the yarn happening there? Are we in a position to, to start looking at uh, an open trans Tasman, or has that been canned full stop? No, no, they're still in they're still in discussions with their trans Tasman. Uh, New Zealand uh, obviously has deposits and things tied up um, with airlines and accommodation and stuff, so. That, it, um, it it's still going ahead, mm. but just the timing of it there, I believe that they will be having another meeting in, I think it's two days' time, that they're discussing uh, the steps forward for the Trans-Tasman. It, 
and it's yeah, it's one event everyone looks forward to because yeah. it's so strong. Fair enough. Hey, look, uh, I won't keep you uh, for, for any longer, my friend. Look, I appreciate the insight on everything, and uh, as I say, let's keep in touch. And if there's any any comms that you need put out to our touch community all around uh, the world, then uh, you let me know, and we'll make it happen because it's uh, really important that we hear both from our NSOs, but also from you fellas as well, doing doing the mahi from an international level. And let's uh, let's continue building the game, Bill. But thanks for your time, brother. I appreciate it. No worries, Patton. When you close off, I'll just have a quick chat with you if you don't mind. No worries, no worries, bro. You take care, bro. Okay.